I want you to do me a favor. Break down for me what I'm holding in my hand right now. Ah, that is a Dave & Buster's power card. Yes. Now, does your Dave & Buster's card work at any other similar establishments, like, say, uh, TGI Fridays? Mine does not. No, it doesn't. Um, believe me, I've tried at several locations. Okay, well, yeah, because if you recall, I've actually been with you on many of those occasions where you've tried. Right. Yeah, I don't think I've tried it enough. I think you have, because clearly, at this point, you should have realized that it doesn't work anywhere else. There's one out in Franklin Mills I haven't tried. I feel like it's that not going to work there work. either. Okay, let's move past it. I'm trying to make a point here. When you come to Dave & Buster's, you spend your real money, but you leave with Dave & Buster's money. Okay, that gives you incentive to come back to Dave & Buster's because it's the only place where your money works. I think that's brilliant. Now, maybe we should take a page out of DMB's book and try the card at the Fridays out in the Northeast. No, card at Fridays. you son of a bitch. We're way past that at this point. I don't understand why you can't grasp that point. It doesn't work anywhere else. It's only going to work here. All right, I'm, I'm getting all worked up, okay? This is... That's, well, I'm proposing that we print our own currency, okay? Make our own money? Yes! And we call it Patty's Dollars. Now, we distribute that out to people for free initially, and then they become customers, and then they bring in new customers. And then once they're in, they have to use real dollars to buy Patty's dollars. That's exactly right. And that stimulates our own internal economy. Yeah, yeah, dude, that's a great plan. And then afterwards, we'll go out to Fox Chase and use the power card at that Friday's. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, we won't. You can, though. I'm Terry Stevens. You're listening to Jay Scott from The Hook Rock. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope you're doing well, staying safe, staying healthy, just uh, getting along here. And and uh, spring is in the air, the sun is out, the weather is warming up, and gosh, we're almost a month away till summer, and that is exciting in itself. Once again, we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, the uh, podcast network of music podcast. You can check out myself in this episode and older episodes. We've got 220-something at this point, which is uh, a testament to all of you for listening. Thank you very much. But you can check out Vinny Apice and Carmen Apice's podcast, uh, Shout Out Loudcast. My boys, uh, Zeus and Tom, do a great job on all things KISS. Cobras and Fire, you have Mistress Carrie, you've got a whole bunch. Martin Popoff, who was just recently on the show as well, acclaimed author and rock historian. So check out those podcasts in the Pantheon Podcast family, as well as many others on that platform. Please subscribe and follow wherever you do listen. Write us a review. Follow us on Twitter at The Hook Rocks and on Facebook, The Hook Rocks, so you can get up-to-date information on new episodes, whether it's music commentary, 
music interviews like we have today. We have a great guest on the show. We have singer-songwriter from the band Riot, who's got a solo album out this past uh, May 7th, an album called Sonic Healing on Rat Pack Records. It's a great album. I highly suggest you check it out. But we're going to dive deep in into Todd and get more information and get to know him over the next 40 minutes or so. How you doing, Todd? What's going on? I am doing great, Jay. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to know you and, and learning more about the music and your career. The album is amazing. It's a throwback to some, a time where hooks and melody were prevalent in music. Not to say that it's not now, but it's got that old school style of influence that uh, my, my listeners all know and love. Oh, well, thank you. I, I'm really glad to hear that you like it. You know? Well, we always start off the same way every time we have a new guest on the podcast, and that is the essence of the show. Just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, a band, an album, or performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? Um, I think what hooked me on rock and roll was really my older brother. You know, he, he really got into rock and Ted Nugent and Van Halen and a lot of those early bands. And, and then he also started getting his own band. So when I was quite young, I think he was doing his own band by the time he was 15. So from when I was 11 on 10 or 11, he had bands jamming in the basement and, um, and then about the time I was 15 years old, uh, luck so have it, he needed a singer. And apparently I was just old enough that he was willing to let me be in the band. So, um, so I would say, you know, I, I don't know if it's an exact moment, but just that, that whole notion of my brother and, and experiencing the live band and, and wanted to be able to, to do that sort of thing really is what got me hooked on rock and roll anyway. From that, was there a band or musician that, really hooked you in, like really was like set the path for you? You know, I've really loved music and I've loved singing ever since I was a little kid. So I've had, I've had just all sorts of singers and and bands over the years that have influenced me heavily. I remember when I was really young and I was nine, 10 years old taking piano lessons. I remember being in love with Barry Manilow and Lionel Richie, you know, great singers that also are piano players and, you know, obviously, as I got a little older, then you start running into, you know, Sticks and Ario Speedwagon and, you know, Queen. I remember another one, Bites of Dust, was the Detroit Lions theme song or something when they had this really great running back whose name I'm totally forgetting right this second because I'm on the spot. Um, you know, so, I mean, I, there's just been so many great singers over the years, you know, Brad Delp from Boston and, and all of that. And I think for me, I guess I didn't even it wasn't even so much a singer as it almost was more the era because the notion of having a big range and guys being able to hit wildly high notes and stuff like that, that just seemed like it was kind of normal for rock, you know, not that, not that everyone did it, but enough people were doing it that it was just kind of a standard thing. And, uh, and, and really that spilled over into the eighties. So as I moved into my teenage years and, 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 really started getting in bands at like 15 all that that you know even though we transitioned from rock into kind of heavy metal which the line is a little blurry anyway um that that notion of the virtuoso singers and big ranges and stuff really stuck around for the better part of the 80s really um and so i think that to me is what i would call 
very formative to me is that's just kind of where I come from. And it just so happens I, I tend to have a, a, a somewhat higher voice. I mean, my tenor tends to be a little bit higher anyway, but I have worked really hard to be able to, to sing in the upper ranges. At least I did when I was quite a bit younger. Now it's a little more like riding a bike for me, but. You know, watching your brother in those bands when you were young, was that the inspiration to want to be in a band and perform as well? I mean, was that like, once you saw him do that, was that always your path and what you wanted to do? You know, I mean, the thing is, you know, some people are just, you know, I don't know if I'd say I was born to be on stage. You know, I mean, I don't know if that sounds goofy or not, but you know, like from my wife, for example, like the last thing in the world she wants is to be on stage, be in a video. She doesn't want any attention at all. Um, really. And whereas I'm more the opposite. So I remember when I was quite a bit younger, I would sing in school. I remember in seventh grade and eighth grade being in like academic track at school where there would be, you know, performances and things and doing stuff like that. Um, so I think for me, I don't know, it's just been a desire to perform for a really long time, but definitely as far as the rock world goes, you know, seeing my brother and there's just something about the loud band being on stage and the energy behind it all and the microphone in your hand and, and hitting big notes and, and seeing people's reactions to it. I mean, that, that to me is kind of what hooked me and and just made me love it and want to be a performer. When you think about songwriting and being influenced in that aspect of music, who were some of your earlier influences you know, when you're writing and, and, and with a song you may have heard, what influenced you to go that route um, in terms of just instead of just playing an instrument, like you mentioned, piano or guitar or whatever? Yeah, I mean, I think I really kind of for the longest time, you know, I've really grown a lot over the years. And when I was younger, my my brother, John, he was just he was he was one of those ear kind of musicians. You know, he took guitar, you know, lessons for a couple of years, but he just got really good with his ear. And and so he wrote, you know, the music and I would write lyrics and vocal melodies, but I wasn't so much into writing the music, you know, even though I had some music background. And so for me, writing my own music is actually something that com- came much later Um you know, when, like in the nineties, even when, you know, after I started taking guitar lessons and got into guitar and started writing in that way. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so my, you know, I'm happy to report I'm still growing and still learning things, you know, along the way. Um, but I think, you know, it's a tough part because I think it's, it's difficult as a, as a writer, because on one hand you you're really influenced by things, but you don't want to, feel like you're copying someone else. You want to feel like you have your own voice. Um, but at the same time, you know, there are these unconscious things that happen. And, and I see that when I work in bands, like, you know, I'm, I obviously in riot five, you know, Donnie and Mike are the principal musical writers. And, and I tend to write a lot of the lyrics and, and I work on the vocal melodies too. And in that band, you know, Donnie and, and Mike also have a, a their own ideas of what the vocal melody should be, you know, and sometimes I don't mean in a bad way, but sometimes we bump heads because I'll make up a melody and I'll think it sounds great. And then they're like, yeah, but no, we want it to be more like this. And, and what, what it shows me is how different people from different backgrounds and different influences can think something just totally different, you know? And so, you know, and in one way, like you're a product of your influences, whether you realize it or not, you know, um, 
And, and so, uh, so yeah, it's a, it's kind of a tough question to answer. Cause I think that in ways you're, you're, you are influenced even when you don't even necessarily know it. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to even say who your influences are, but I imagine it comes down to a product of the kind of stuff you listen to and, and your predilections and things that you like. So. Was there a song or a lyric that really transformed you into wanting to write songs and write lyrics and, and be able to connect with people in that realm or that, that area? I mean, I think that, you know, for me, a lot of times, you know, you know, people will just sing along and not necessarily pay real close attention to lyrics. I would say one song that stuck out to me is just like lyrically interesting when I was much younger, just cause I remember like going to like, you know, I think I was only in eighth grade, maybe ninth grade, but going to like, you know, school dances and stuff. And, and obviously when, when they wanted to play a slow song, they would, they would whip on like, you know, stairway to heaven by Led Zeppelin. And, and it's just such a, you know, such a long song or whatever have you. And that's one of the, one of the ones that I remember listening to and finding the lyrics kind of interesting, like, what are they even talking about? You know, And so I think there's songs like that, that you hear and, uh, you know, and then they kind of get you, get you a little inspired and thinking, thinking more along those lines. Although I, I think as a, as a lyricist, I tend to be a little more direct. Um, usually you can tell pretty easily what I'm talking about. Um, and I know my, my, I have another older brother, Rick, who, uh, is a, is a good poet and he, he, he's always teasing me because, uh, I, I'm, I'm a little more of, uh, so obvious when, uh, you know, he, he, he wants me to be more obtuse, I guess. I don't know. Well, that's, you know, my next question is, my next question is the, uh, how do you write? Do you write from personal experience? I know there's some personal subject matter on the, on the solo album, but do you also write through observation as well? Yeah, I think in general, it kind of comes from your personal experience, you know, but not, and, 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 but some of those personal experiences can be more observational. Like you can see something happening to someone else, or you can see other people going through experience and then potentially put yourself in their shoes. Um, I mean, I've even had songs where I just would literally do some research. I mean, um, you know, the last riot five album, there was a song called heart of a lion and not that no one's ever written in heavy metals, ever written a song about Richard, the Lionheart, but basically I was listening to the song. Usually what happens to me when I listen to music is melodies will just start popping out. And then, and then usually what'll happen when I write that way, because sometimes I write the music first, sometimes I will write melodies first. So it just really depends when I write by myself, but in Riot, obviously they usually hand me a demo and say, what do you think? And, um, and I remember with Heart of a Lion, I, I just remember that catchphrase catching in, in the spot where it's at on the chorus. And that phrase, heart of a lion stuck out to me. And, and I thought, well, what can I, and what can I write this about? And, and it made me think, well, there's Richard the Lionheart. I wonder what I could, you know, I obviously called him the Lionheart for some reason. So I just basically did some research on him, what his life was like and all that. And then I ended up writing the song based on that. I almost felt like uh, Bruce Dickinson, you know, at that point, because Bruce Dickinson is really good about that. A guy loves to read books and then, and write stuff about it. I remember there's one solo album called The Chemical Wedding where the whole album had to do with a, a, a book. And uh, I'm not usually, I'm not usually along those lines though. Usually I'm a little more of a personal experience kind of guy. And, and uh, um, so I'm not, I'm not usually picking up a, a book and reading about it or whatever have you. 
So I, I think personal experience is probably the majority of my, my work as far as writing lyrics. How do you go about that? I mean, writing from personal experience can be therapeutic. It can be difficult. It can be, you know, you can get a sense of enjoyment. It all depends on the situation or experience that you're writing about. How do you tap into that vulnerability where you have to relive something or go through something? Is it difficult for you? Is it maybe easy for you to start, but maybe difficult for once you're involved in the writing process? I mean, I think in general, what some of the hardest things is like, I think the hardest thing is when you don't really have a good idea what you're trying to say, you know, like every now and then you'll just come up with a phrase that you think sounds cool, but there's not a whole lot of meaning or whatever behind it. And so you're struggling, you can struggle to, to write something meaningful to support what you think is a decent vocal hook. I mean, every now and then that sort of thing happens. I think for me, that's generally not an issue. Um, and, and usually I, you know, I have something to say and, and the, and the vocal comes out that way. Um, the, the other thing that I find too, though, is that sometimes when you're writing things that are personal in nature, you know, what becomes difficult is, is how you want to say it, you know, cause obviously, you know, you have people in your life who, I mean, the last thing you want is your wife listening to something and saying, well, what, what are you trying to say? You know, so, you know, so I always assure them like, Hey, you know, I mean, and it's true. I mean, not, even though the things I write might come from personal experiences, they're not always necessarily my personal experiences. So, um, and I think there is a certain amount of people assuming that when, when they hear about something, you know, when you write about something that necessarily happened to you or whatever, it's, or it's plucked right from your life. And that's not always the case. And that can be a tough one to explain to a loved one now and then. Um, you know, or if you're writing, you know, some song about desire for a woman, you know, you got to make sure your wife doesn't think you're out fantasizing about someone else, you know? Um, so, I mean, I think that can be the tough part. I would say in general, not too much of a struggle. There was a song on, uh, my new album called the other side that I wrote, you know, about my brother, John, who passed away. That, that one was a bit tougher for me, just in the sense that I wanted to keep, I really wanted the overall feel of, of sonic healing to be positive, And I just wanted to bring energy to people and, and just put them in a good mood. And the music for that song is pretty happy sounding really. Um, and the topic is one of a little more struggle. And, uh, but I, you know, I think it came all right. I just, my, my, I think my struggle there is I didn't want a song about my brother that I feel like is a serious topic to sound kind of trite. You know what I mean? Like, like, well, what's he doing? You know, that's, sound you know what I mean and but I, I think it obviously I, I I settled myself with it and that's why I ended up putting it on the album but uh, um, but yeah so I mean now and then there's a struggle but in general not not too bad is it important for you to really write you know when you're writing about your brother who passed and reliving that whole experience is that's something that you feel is necessary as a singer songwriter to have that outlet to get out feelings, to get out that um, emotion that you have regarding that situation. Is that important to you as, as part of the process? I mean, I think, I think it's more a matter of, you know, whatever's, you know, prescient in your mind, you know, whatever is, you know, on your mind at the time, you know what I mean? And, I wrote this album latter part of March and, and first, you know, half or so, or get into April. So I guess into April as well. And, and my brother passed away March 9th. So it was really, 
really, you know, I actually wrote a second song about him on the same album. We just didn't finish recording it. Um, so it was just really on my mind. It was hard not to think about. And I think that was really it. I think in some ways it's cathartic, but at the same time, like the reason I was writing two songs is because I just didn't feel like there was one song that could really say it all. You know what I mean? That's, so that was the tough part, I think. Um, is So I guess in, in one way it was like, yeah, I had to get it out because that's what was on my mind. But at the same time, there's a frustration with trying to get it out because it's, you know, it's really difficult to capture all of the emotions associated with something like that in one song. It's just not going to happen. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if more came out at some point. The album, you know, is something that you've been working on for a while, and, and this came to fruition. Was this something that started during the pandemic? Was this started before? Yeah, it really is. I mean, my desire to do something in this vein has been there for a few years, um, and I had a bunch of my own song ideas and I, I had been talking to Joe from Rat Pack Records even years ago because Riot's Armor of Light album almost came out on Rat Pack and, um, and he and I talked about doing a solo album a while ago. He was thinking something in the heavy metal vein and I had done seven heavy metal albums in like the course of 10 years. So I was ready to try something a little different. Um, especially with my solo stuff. I mean, I, I sing in Riot 5, which is primarily a power metal band at this point. And so to me to come out with a power metal album when I'm singing in Riot 5, it just didn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. I don't know why I would bother. Um, and uh, so for me, um, I had this desire to do something that was more what I call old school rock. Um, just a little more space in the drums, a little more left to right, a little more sway, a little more groove uh, than than power metal that has a lot of double bass, which I love too, but like I just wanted to do something else. And uh, and so the interesting part is I went into it and told Joe, I said, well, look, you know, I've got like 25 songs written. Can you just, you know, hook me up with someone who, because I, I play acoustic guitar and I'm, I'm not, I'm kind of, I don't want to say I'm a hack, but I mean, I'm mostly a strummer, you know, a strummer, singer, songwriter guy. I'm really not a, a rock player because I, I barely ever, I, I really don't play electric guitar until just the start of this year when my brother died. He left me a bunch of guitars and I figured I might as well start learning how to try to play one. So in any event, Joe hooked me up with, uh, hook, long story, get my, I, I, sorry, I tell really long stories, but um, Joe hooked me up with uh, Kurt Vanderhoof from metal church and Kurt and I had a nice zoom chat and really bonded. And I, I told him what I was trying to do and he was really into it because he loves classic rock and he feels like that's the kind of stuff that just naturally flows out of him when he, when he picks up a guitar these days. And, and, and so he listened to a lot of my song ideas, but we ended up um, not using any of them because he said, well, let me just start channeling, you know, some stuff and see what comes out. And so and, and he was unbelievable. I mean, over the course of 21 days, he wrote 18 songs. And, and over that time, you know, add another week onto it, I wrote lyrics and melodies to like really 16 of those songs. And uh, we ended up finishing recording 15 of them. And so it was just this really kind of magical moment where we just really connected. And he was churning out great music and it was really inspiring me. And I was um, singing a lot. And it was, it was during the first part of the, of the pandemic. And, uh, so things were locked down. My business was closed down. So I had more time to sit and focus on music. And and uh, I don't know, it was a real special time. But the, the interesting thing is the music was all fresh and brand new. You know what I mean? Like it was just just written. There was no ideas brought to the project. So And it's a total, uh, 
you know, obviously it's called a solo album, it has my name on it, but really it's a total uh, collaboration with Kurt because it, it w- w- simply wouldn't have been possible without him writing all the music, at least not in the form it's in now. And I'm really happy with what, what resulted. So, Do you think you were, you were able to do this or you were going to be able to do this if there wasn't the pandemic? I, I was going to try to work on it, yeah, because I had contacted Joe, you know, about trying to do something, you know, um, you know, toward the end of February, uh, you know, at the end of February, before I even really knew that the pandemic was going to be, you know, what it was. Um, so I definitely would have worked on it. But I think what's interesting is I just never, I mean, I've had songs go fast before. I mean, I've actually, I've had an instance where I woke up in the morning with like a melody stuck in my head and then, and by the, that evening I had it, had it a fully written song recorded, demoed out everything, you know, um, with just like a piano, but, uh, but I mean, so, I mean, I've had songs go fast, but man, to have an entire album get written in a month, <laughs> it's like, wow, <laughs> it was, it was pretty amazing. But I mean, obviously it helped, you know, when you want to be creative, you need to have stillness, you know, and that's, that's probably one of the biggest things. You know, I run a manufacturing company for a living. I have a wife and I have three kids and girls that play soccer and, you know, I try to exercise, stay fit. I mean, I, I, there's a lot of demands on my time, you know, um, and, and if you, if you don't give yourself stillness and you don't give yourself the space, it's, it's really difficult to create. Um, so certainly the pandemic lockdown opened up the door for me to be able to write an entire album in a month, whereas normally it would take you, yeah, like a year or more. As far as the pandemic and writing music and, and doing all that, I, I spoke with Rob Beach last summer and he released his solo album, an instrumental album on, uh, Frontiers Records, and he was said in the interview, he's like, you know, if this pandemic wouldn't have happened, I may have not completed this record because he had been working on it for, gosh, it was, it felt felt like forever, like ten some years. And there is that moment when you start to work on music that maybe you've put off, or in your case, you know, something you wanted to do but really hadn't come up with anything yet to kind of push forward with the album, and then the pandemic hits and. Let's face it, you know, you turn on the news every day and there's more bad news upon more bad news. Did the album for you, did this creative process for you act as kind of a a bubble, an escape from reality for you to kind of go into and just use this as an outlet and not care what's going on in the outside world? Um, Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, there's when, when you're writing music, you know, there's a passion and excitement that makes it very escapist. Um, it's kind of hard to describe, but I imagine it's like creating anything else really from woodwork to whatever, you know, people build cars and reassemble motorcycles, what, you know, whatever type of creative outlet you have from drawing to this or that. And when, and it has to with focus, you know, one of the, one of the great things about creative outlets is you, you just get this intense focus that, that, allows you to really drain things out. I, I experience similar things to that when I go rock climbing because, you know, when you're on the side of a, a, a rock wall and, you know, you might fall or whatever have you, it's, it's easy to stay pretty focused on the task at hand. And I think that can lead to a lot of joy for sure. And I certainly can understand where Reb's I mean, Reb, I imagine in his normal life probably plays out a lot. And if he plays out a lot, you know, he doesn't, you know, you're not giving yourself that stillness and that time to be able to create. So it totally makes sense that, uh, you know, he might have, he would say something like that. And, and I, I would say the similar thing is, like I said, I would have never finished the album as quickly as we did. 
um, you know, with, with that. I mean, I, I probably would have been more like a song a week or so at the most, you know, um, in terms of being able to try to work on it, you know? Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I would say definitely there's, there's certainly something very cathartic. I think what happened to me is I too, uh, like, fortunately I wrote it early enough in cause you know, the, the, the pandemic, it, 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 I mean, I think it hit a lot of people pretty hard. I mean, I'm a, I'm the type of person that, that tries to count my blessings and, and list them literally every day. Um, and, and, and talk to God about what I'm thankful for, because what it does is it, it just helps me focus on the more important things, you know? Um, but during the pandemic, that was a lot tougher. I mean, it was in, in the sense that yeah, I really had to focus and I had days where I wasn't good about focusing on that at all. And especially running a business with, you know, we had 200 employees at the time and just a lot of stress about, you know, taking care of them and their families too. And, and so, you know, life can be challenging. And I, and I think, what was good for me, first of all, when I set out for the album, I said, look, I want this to just be a, a an uplifting kind of just positive type experience. I, I wanted it to be like the old school rock that I remembered that really just was all over the radio and brought the energy and just really made people feel alive. And, and I was very specific that I was not going to be negative on this album. And, um, and probably the closest song might be the song to the bone, which, kind of sounds like I'm complaining, but it's tongue in cheek, you know what I mean? Um, and, uh, you know, so that, and, and luckily I wrote this in the early part of the pandemic before, you know, cause when, when I started writing this, it was governor, my governor was like, Oh, and everybody, we're going to shut down for three weeks and then everything, you know, and everybody's thinking everything will be back to normal. And, and really, man, once the, once the long summer and everything just dragged out, that's when uh, I was in the depths. But fortunately, I'd written, <laughs> written on the album before then. So. Well, did you know, you wrote this in the beginnings of the, of the pandemic. You know, there really wasn't much going on. But there was still, you know, it was a crazy world last year, whether it was the pandemic, whether it was protests, whether it was the election. It was just, it was all over the place. Did any of that, you know, you meant, mentioned you wanted to write a record with more of a positive vibe, but did any of that affect the tone, you know, of just the music or just how, how that all was created? You know, sometimes the lyrics may be different, but the tone and the shapes and the colors of what you're trying to do is really affected by what you're doing and what you're seeing in an everyday life. Yeah, I really think, you know, both Kurt and I benefited from the timing of what we did. Um, because we literally, it was like the middle of March, um, or even s slightly before it, when Kurt came to me and was like, look, all right, I'm ready. I'm going to start focusing now and I'm going to pour out songs. And when he does, like he just kind of puts everything out to exclusion. And he just, like I said, I've never really seen anything like it, 18 songs in 21 days. So if you look at it, basically by the, the first part of April, which wasn't real deep into the pandemic, and it certainly wasn't deep into all the protests and all that stuff that started happening later. Um, he'd already had the music written. And, you know, if you listen to the music, the music has got that just energetic. I mean, even if you wouldn't call it positive, you'd definitely call it energetic. It all has that kind of feel. And so for me, you know, that music really helped. And like I said, I wrote a lot of the lyrics right. I mean, I wrote the lyrics all only about a week more after that. So probably by the middle to latter part of April, the, the album was written. Um, so I think we benefited, like I said, from the fact that we weren't so deep into that. And, um, you know, I think we were able to exclude it and stay focused on the task at hand. And, and, and 
more of that stuff definitely started impacting me later. So I, I'm pretty thankful I wasn't trying to write it, you know, later in the summer or whatever, because it would have been harder to, to, to stay away from topics that I maybe didn't want to get to. Was this originally going to be released in 2020? That was definitely the goal. I originally was going to release it in the fall, but it was so difficult to put all the promo stuff together. I ended up, you know, I, I actually recorded a video for um, Let Loose Tonight. It was like I was just trying to rock out by myself in an old abandoned warehouse, and we have footage of it. Actually, that's what's on the – some of that footage is on the um, the electronic press kit for the album to promote it. And But I remember looking at it, and I said, you know, I was just telling Joe from the record, man, I really just want to have a – a really great professional video and, and in talking to Jamie Brown, who was the one who produced the video, who was also, also the singer for Roxanne. He, you know, he was just going to p- film some footage there and kind of made it with mine and all that. But in talking to him, I said, man, I really want to be professional. And he said, Todd, you know, that it's going to look absolutely the best if you have an actual band jamming, you know, and not just you. And, and I said, all right, all right. And then finally, I really didn't want to travel during that time, especially because I'd had to quarantine at work and all that. But finally, by the end of the year, um, I was going to have two weeks off. We, we gave our employees two weeks off, you know, over the Christmas break. And, and, uh, so because I was gonna have the two weeks off, I was like, well, I'm gonna have two weeks off anyway. So maybe I can pop out there. And, and fortunately the timing worked for everybody. And I popped out on like December 18th. And so it wasn't until December 18th, I even got to go and try to film the couple videos. And, and so, yeah, it just took forever to put all the, all everything together. Um, so that's really was kind of more the delay. Like we weren't strategically not wanting to release it in 2020. We just couldn't get it ready. What's the plan for the record? I mean, obviously you're promoting it now and it just came out. Is there any plans to do any shows either with a band or just you solo? You know, I, I would talk to, you know, Kurt is really excited about the music and so am I. And, and the way we, you know, our, our, the way Kurt produced the album, it's it kind of just sounds pretty much like a rock band. It, there's not tons of layers of this or that and stuff. So I think it would translate itself live really well. And we're both excited to kind of play it live. I mean, you know, I love to write, I love to record, but I also love to perform and, and a major, that's what's so cruel about this pandemic stuff. Cause one of the major, major ways that you, you connect with people is by performing it live and seeing them react to it. Um, so I would love to, I think it really comes down to, obviously we need, we need you to be able to consistently book shows. So this COVID stuff needs to kind of get more out of the way, but and it's, help, it's coming. Um, but then also it just kind of comes down to demand and whether or not, you know, there's enough desire. You know, I, I'm a little, uh, I'm kind of a bit of an unknown quantity in the music world, even though I've been doing some stuff and I'm in Riot 5. Um, just the name Todd Michael Hall doesn't necessarily cause a, a ton of people to, to, you know, hit the link at this point. So I, you know, I just got to see, and I'm hoping that with the album out and people hearing it, that, you know, word travels a little bit and there's enough desire for us to play live that we get a chance to play some shows, even if it's, you know, just a, a handful of shows here and there. Um, Cause it, it'd be really fun. I'd really love to be able to present the music to people live. When you talk about the album and you talk about this being a solo work and obviously you had, you know, your collaboration as well, but, you know, you're coming from Riot 5, which, you know, has a little bit more input from other members. How was that for you? Was that something that you were ready to embrace? Because you, you know, obviously, there, like I said, there was the collaboration, but more or less, this is your record. This is what you want to put out. This is your signature on that. This yeah. is your name is on the album. 
what was the, the the biggest differences for you in making this record? I mean, I think the biggest difference for me is, you know, no matter how much you enjoy a relationship with other people, uh, ultimately they have a say, and especially in a band like Riot. I mean, ultimately Riot is Mike and Donnie's band. They're the ones that have the connection, the longer 30-year connection to the legacy. I'm, I'm the new person that's trying to help them carry on the legacy. So, you know, but technically it's, I consider it their band, really, um, even though I'm in it. And, and so, uh, even though I feel like I'm an important member of the band and I do contribute, ultimately the, the, the say is theirs, you know, the direction, the whatever, like I mentioned earlier with lyrical melody, you know, with vocal melodies and stuff. So I think that the, the joy for me or the, the, the pleasure for me in an album like this, where that I can call a solo album is I get to be the ultimate call. Like if I, if I want it or I don't want it or whatever have you, it's, it's all me. Not that I necessarily am always like a selfish guy like that, but in this instance, like I said, I, I would have never talked Mike and Donnie into doing an old school rock album, even though we might write a song or two like that because Riot has that type of thing. So I think ultimately that's it. Um, you know, I think for me, it, it's weird. I, I feel a little weird calling a solo album because like I said, without Kurt, and I feel like what has been produced here is totally uh, a result of my combination with Kurt. And if it would have not been Kurt and it would have been somebody else, it would probably sound quite a bit different. I mean, uh, I mean, I would still be trying to be in that, you know, the old school rock thing, but you know what I mean? So Kurt's an absolute essential part of it. So, um, you know, but at the same time, I mean, you know, I, I was the one telling people like, this is what I want to do. And Kurt got on the bus because that's what he thought would be cool too. You know what I mean? But it was my bus. <laughs> so, um, so I think that that's the, the difference. Not like I was bossing anybody around, you know what I mean? But, uh, but, you know, I mean, it was kind of my concept, my vision, and, and uh, Kurt was really nice about all of that. He's just a, a, an incredible songwriter, and it was amazing to see him at work. And so I think that was the enjoyable part is, you know, uh, kind of having it be my vision and knowing that it, it's what I wanted. So, You know, this album has been in your system for a while. You've wanted to make this record. You know, obviously the, the creative process and writing you know, came on as you were starting to develop this and everything. But you've always, it seems, wanted to make a record with your name on it, with with what you wanted to do. And now that it's out of your system and you went through this process, do you think the next record will be much easier for you to create and to build, you know, upon this first solo album? Yeah, I'm kind of wondering on that um, because, you know, I talked to Kurt and he, he sounds like he's really into to trying to do it again. Um, and, you know, what I wonder is, you know, we, we had some amazing magic on this, the first, this first one and, and how it came together so well and, um, and happened so fast and just felt so fluid and uh, so natural. Um, so I'm kind of curious, like, is lightning going to strike twice? You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, so I think the jury's out. There's a part of me that's afraid the next one won't be so easy because, you know, it's not, it doesn't always feel that easy. But at the same time, I think the nice thing about my solo work is I just feel kind of the freedom to do whatever I want because in a way it doesn't even really matter. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, um, I'm not dealing with uh, a huge legacy of, of some, you know, this or that. I'm going to disappoint. And I, I think that you know, when it comes to me as a person, anybody that knows me knows that I'm kind of just a, a sensitive guy. I, I'm not some like big tough guy or anything like that. And um, so I think with, with me and a, and a solo album, they're going to expect, expect 
you know, me to be connecting and, you know, be a little more emotional than maybe what you might hear in some of my heavy metal stuff. And, and, uh, and I like that, but I'm, I'm that kind of guy, you know, I'm the kind of guy that after the show likes to walk out and say hello to people and give hugs to big sweaty dudes and whatnot have you, you know, when, when you walk up to someone and they, they're just like, dude, and acting all excited, you know, how can't you want to just give them a big hug and, you know, be excited with them, you know, cause that, that's the thing. People don't, I don't know if they understand, but like, you know, after you play a live show, I, I can't even fall asleep. Like I'm not a, not a druggie. I'm not a big drinker. I mean, I'll drink a beer after the show, but I mean, I get so wired after a show because when, when the crowd's into it, cause the energy they give you is amazing. And then that's the, the hard part with touring with riot. You know, you come back to the hotel room and you don't even usually get to the hotel room until two, three o'clock in the morning. And a lot of times you'll have a 6am lobby call and like, Oh man, I can't even fall asleep even for the two, three hours I have. Cause you're just so wired and you have so much energy and, and that's the kind of energy that people give to you. And so it's hard not to want to return that back to them with a big hug, you know? What is next for you? I mean, obviously, we're still dealing with the pandemic, although the numbers are getting better and things seem to be opening up and restrictions are being lifted. What is next? I mean, what's in store for Riot 5? What do you have planned for the rest of this year? Where is Where are things going? Yeah, I mean, uh, right now, you know, I definitely, we've got a bunch of songs written for Riot 5, and I have a, I have vocals all demoed out. I need to record all the final vocals. I'm just waiting on some final music. The guitars aren't quite done yet. So once I have that, I think that's going to occupy quite a bit of my time. And then I think just kind of, I'm, I'm looking forward to the fall to see if things open up, see how it went with my album, see if it looks like there's some opportunities to play some shows. Um, and then I know definitely as we get into 2022, you know, shows will start to open up for riot five. Um, you know, we've had some festivals booked the last couple summers, but they keep getting postponed, you know? So I, I think that'll open up next year. So that's kind of what's going to be in my future. A little, you know, certainly some more music. That's for sure. Well, Todd, it's been a blast. Thank you very much for the conversation. Hey, well, thank you very much too. I appreciate you having me on the show. Everybody, that's Todd Michael Hall. The album is Sonic Healing, out May 7th on Rat Pack Records. Go and check it out. You can go on ratpackrecords.com and order the album and all the gear and merchandise that uh, also is available too as well. But a great album, a great uh, uh, singer-songwriter, Todd Michael Hall. From Riot 5, his solo album Sonic Healing. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Stay strong, stay safe, stay healthy. We will talk again soon. Thank you.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 